Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. So we're going to be talking about giving and generosity, but really the issue is not do I give or how much I give. The issue here is perspective on who we are on this earth as we travel through from from birth to death. So before we get to our main text, I just want to read a little bit from Romans chapter 8. Paul had been talking about in the first seven chapters the work that Jesus did, the price that he paid, and why he paid it. And now he gives you a little bit of the results. And don't forget, the man we're reading right here is the man that was the main teacher at Antioch during that time. And when there was a huge need in Jerusalem, he and Barnabas led the charge to raise huge funds, and they took the money back to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem to bless them. This is a man who was willing to give everything, everything he had for the gospel. And here's why. Listen to what he says here. So in chapter 8, he said, If you are led by the Spirit of God, you're his sons and daughters. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means dad. It is so personal, it's almost hard to grasp. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. We are the heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We're going to find out in a little bit what we've inherited. But today we're reading out of both the New and the Old Testament. Now, if you've ever been an executor in a will, you're responsible to make sure that the last will in Testament is read. And what happens when that will is read? You determine how the estate is handed out to those who remain, right? That's what happens. Well, guess what? In the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, guess who got it? We did. Everyone who believes is a fellow heir. We are sons and daughters. We're in the will. And nobody even slightly smiles at that. Are you kidding me? All right. Forget it. Let's go right to our main text. (laughs) Jesus is going to show us what we're talking about. In Luke chapter 6, this is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get to the text here, you've got to realize the nature that is in the believers. If you are sons and daughters of God, you have his DNA. We all know what I call the goalpost uh, passage, you know the guy with the orange hair used to be behind goalposts in NFL games, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, not general, not consultant, not representative, his only begotten son. God sent family that whoever believes would have eternal life with whom? Him as a son and a daughter, okay? So here's your main point. If I am a son or a daughter and I have his genes, 
then by nature, I'm a giver. By nature. It is my nature to be a giver. The question is, what am I giving? And it's not just finances, right? If we give, we're called to give forgiveness, right? Judge not, you won't be judged. We're called to give compassion. We're called to give time. We're called to give effort. We're called to give mercy and love and finances and our own gifts away. Yes or no? Does that make sense? If you're ever around Joe Hill, where is that maniac? Is he here today? No, he's not here. I watch Joe when I come to the staff meetings on Tuesdays with his gift of encouragement. You know what he's doing? Constantly giving that away. And he's building other people up. He's passing the wealth of heaven through himself to others. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He says, look, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So you see the context here. Now he's going to go into what you give in terms of even your finances. But he's saying, look, you may give on Sunday morning, but are you giving forgiveness? Are you giving mercy? Are you giving loving kindness? Given it will be given to you, good measure. That means when you give, you're giving beyond what you know you're giving. You want me to repeat that? When you give, you're giving beyond what you know you are giving because you're investing heaven's wealth. Because here's what God does. Anytime you open your pocket to somebody or some need that's legitimate, it's pressed down, shaken over, running over, shaken together, running over, and poured back into your lap. So if I had a five-gallon bucket, and let's use grapes as an example, because this is wine country, and I filled it halfway with grapes, and then I got into the bucket and stepped on the grapes until it was liquid. Where would the level of grapes be? Still up here or would it be down there? Be lower, because they were pressed down and compressed But it's interesting, shaken together with what? The blessing of God. That's the whole point. You are one with the Spirit of God. When you give, he is there with you. He adds his blessing to it. He shakes it up, and then he pours it onto you so much that you can't contain it. You know why you're not supposed to be able to contain it? Because if you're a giver of heaven's wealth, it's supposed to get on others around you. It's not supposed to be just for me. Do I make any sense here? Now, I have, we have eight children. I've never made a lot of money, but I took on the responsibility to provide. If you are God's son or daughter, guess whose responsibility it is to provide for you? His. Well, what about budgeting and being a good steward? Of course. Just like I don't want my own kids to be bums, God doesn't want us to be bums. We don't want to screw up the family name, right? Yes or no? Okay. It's interesting how Jesus is doing a takeoff on Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi was one tough guy. He said, you're robbing God. And they said, well, how are we robbing God? Tithes, offerings, alms? They're not yours. You're you're sons and daughters of the kingdom. It's his so he can bless others, but you're withholding it. And he said this, here's what the Lord tells you. Prove me, I guarantee it, 
that if you bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain. Now, we don't have any windows in here, but back home, now that I'm no longer the pastor, they installed air conditioning. But when I was the pastor, we didn't. <laughs> and so in the summer, especially Sunday morning, you know, it's a beautiful in northern in upstate New York. The, the mornings are cooler. You open the windows. Let me ask you something. We sleep with the windows open here. It cools down. When you open your window, what comes in on a cool day? Cool breeze. Can you stop it? Where does it go? Where does it go? Everywhere. It gets all over everything. The breeze comes in and eventually fills the room. Don't you get the picture? It's a metaphor, but when God opens his window, the wealth of heaven is spread everywhere. It cannot be contained. That is what Jesus is trying to explain here to the Jews and then to us. So, does that make some sense? Now, we're going to look at a man in the Old Testament who might have been the most generous man that ever lived. I don't know. The guy's name was Abraham. Genesis chapter 13. Before we read that, here's the context. So if you remember, God called Abram from the, the Chaldean dynasty, kind of like northern Kuwait, southern Iraq area. And he said, get out of there. Uh, take Sarah, your wife, and go west into this land I'm going to give you, and it's for you, and all your descendants will be like the stars in the heavens. God is the ultimate family man. He, he proved it right then and there. He said, I want you to go, and my covenant with you is going to pass down to the generations, and people aren't going to be able to count who they are and the wealth that I have for them. So Abram went, and he took a young guy with him. Anybody remember that guy's name? Lot. Lot had a lot of selfishness and immaturity. He make a good American. So when they got to Egypt, they were traveling. Apparently Sarah was a real looker. When the, God, when the Bible says, and Sarah was beautiful to look on, if God thinks she's pretty, she must have been, right? Are you guys okay today? So they're in Egypt, and Abram, the, oh, the man of faith and power, right after God made this covenant with him, he said, I'll never leave you. He said, Sarah, don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister or they'll kill me. And so Pharaoh finds out. I mean, the guards say, whoa, have you seen her? And so they bring her into Pharaoh's house, going to join his harem. And he finds out that it's Abram's wife. And a plague comes on the Egyptians from whom? Father God. Is he taking care of his son? His total screw-up of a son? And so Pharaoh says, why didn't you tell me? Here, here's some cattle. Here's some silver. Here's some gold. Now get out of here. Abram lied, and he leaves Egypt wealthier than when he got there. Now the moral of the story is not go and tell a lie, and you're going to get wealthier. The moral of the story is that was God's son. And he screwed up just like you and me, but it's his son. And when my sons have screwed up, I'm there for them. I don't bail. That brings us to chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt, 
he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Lot's kind of like a groupie. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. Very, in here, the Hebrew means severe. He was severely rich. And we see why from the very favor of God. Manny, let's go to the next uh, text here. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had herds and flocks and tents. Where did he get it all? It spilled over onto him. Lot didn't have it when they started. Abram was God's son, this blessing, covenant son. This blessing was poured on him. Lot was with him. It got all over him. Are you his sons and daughters? When you invest heaven's wealth, it gets all over other people around you. You want to be the greatest witness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the light in darkness? Live like sons and daughters as givers. A culture of generosity. Not just finances. In our inconveniences, we give when other people take. Why? We're family. So, the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for the possessions were so great they would not dwell together. And there was strife between Abram's and Lot's herdsmen. I have a question for you. How many fences do you think were built back then in this land? This was open range. I mean, you didn't need a building permit. You didn't have to go and get your parcel approved. There was more land than people knew what to do with. There was so much wealth that they couldn't even find enough land for the two herds to share. How wealthy is that, folks? Pretty wealthy, isn't it? Pretty wealthy. Let's go to the next one. Abram, being the son, now I want you to see the difference. Abram is thinking like a son. Lot is thinking like a hireling, a taker. Abram, the father, the patriarch, the one who understood about dispensing heaven's wealth on earth. He said, Lot, you idiot. Let there be no strife between you and me and your kinsmen and my kinsmen or herdmen, for we are kinsmen. We're brothers. This spoiled nephew of mine is my brother. Lot, Abram was seeing Lot as Jesus saw Lot. Someone rubs you the wrong way, do you see them like Jesus does? And any of us that are honest would say, of course not. They rub me the wrong way, so I don't see them like Jesus does. <laughs> right? Come on. I mean, I'm totally guilty of that. Abram had learned about Lot quite a bit. I mean, th- this kid had been with him since he was born. He knew he was a selfish, spoiled kid. But look what he says. It's not the whole land before us. Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I'll go to the right If you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. Who's the one that should have been saying that? Who's the younger here? Who's the kid? Lot. No, but Abram. Abram, the one who had more than he knew what to do with, was still willing to give wealth away. Didn't even phase him. Now, I have heard that Sometimes when people get wealthy, they hoard it more because of fear of losing more. 
Well, or Abram showing the opposite. And look what Lot did. Lot thinks horizontally, lifted up his eyes to the east. He saw the Jordan Valley was well watered, almost like the Garden of Eden, the Garden of the Lord, before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley and Lot journeying east, and they separated from one another. I don't know how many times I've read this, and every time I wish it would have said this. And Lot looked at Abraham and said, No, Father Abraham, you have blessed me beyond belief. You choose. I want to honor you. I don't want to be a taker. I don't want to be a hireling here. But no. And so Lot takes what he saw horizontally. Abram was seen with sonship eyes. Spiritualize. Paul said to the Ephesians, I pray that your spiritual eyes would be enlightened. In other words, I pray you would see from heaven's perspective. He writes to the Colossians this unusual verse, you know, be done with the things of this earth. Lift up your eyes, for you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Oh, but you don't understand, brother. I, I need this car. I can't pay my rent. We need a bigger house. I mean, everybody needs a bigger house in Orange County. Shoe boxes cost a lot of money to rent here, I'm learning. I, I need this, I need that, I need this. Um, I would say to you, pastoring 37 years on a very small salary, um, we've always had needs. But it's funny. Our wealth has always exceeded our needs. Not our salary, our wealth. We have no debt. Have we ever gone without a bill being paid? No. Never. Why? God was merciful. He's been father to us. And all he said was, repeating what Malachi said, he said, look, if you give, I'm going to be pouring all over you. So we made a decision 37 years ago. We would never, ever, ever not tithe, not give offerings, not give alms. I'm, I'm not here to boast about how generous I am because other people would have given tons more than me. Tons. But there's never been a week when we didn't tithe back to the Lord. Leviticus says that the first 10%, the, the first tenth is holy unto him. In other words, it's set apart what? For use in the church. It doesn't mean the money is holy. A paper dollar isn't holy. It means its use is set apart for what God wants to invest in. That's why I so appreciated Scott talking about your generosity here. Beware, generous sons and daughters. People are getting wet with the favor of God around you as you invest even here. So, Lot goes, he sees horizontally, he doesn't get it. I'm guessing he and Abram had lots of talks, he doesn't get it. Let's go to the next passage here. So after Lot went to the east, he moved into Sodom. How'd that work out, by the way? Yeah, not good. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Now, son, lift up your eyes. Look from the place where you are north and south, and east, and west. Who is to the east? Lot. 
For all that you see, I will give to you and to who else, folks? Your offspring forever. Wow. Every time you open your heart to heaven's wealth. I don't care if you're married or not at this point. And you give out of the cheerfulness of your heart. The generations that follow you come under the covenant blessing of Father God. That's it? Yeah. Here's the deal. Lot was a keeper and he got struggle and loss. Abram was a son and he got heaven's wealth behind him. It's that simple. And then it, it, God doesn't stop there. He says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. You probably know this. We don't have as many beaches in upstate New York as you do here. Jake had a game down in San Clemente yesterday. We dropped him off and we drove in to get something to drink. And it was early in the morning, like, I don't know, maybe 8.30, 8.45. And we drove uh, down to the beach by the, by the beach. And I started to count the grains of sand. I really didn't because that's so stupid. That's what God is saying. That's what God is saying. If you're faithful, do you have any idea the favor that comes on your great, great grandchildren that you may never meet in this life, but you'll be viewing from heaven as God, as their father dispenses his wealth on them? We need to think generationally. And all the guys said, Fred, everybody said what? Amen. Amen. All right. So, let me read to you what Paul said to the Galatians in Galatians 3. Going back to this whole theme of who we are, I just want to confirm it for you so you really get this. He said in chapter 3, and I highly recommend Galatians chapter 3, it's one of the most freeing chapters in the Bible. His conclusion after talking about Abram and faith, Abraham and faith, and, and the wealth of heaven given to God's kids, he said, if you are Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring Heirs according to the promise. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. I will give this to you and your offspring forever. Paul says, if you belong to Christ, you are Abram's offspring. You get that. God isn't just talking about the literal land there. He's talking about the wealth of heaven that is for God's children. Right? Do I make sense here or not? We putting two and two together? Old Testament, New Testament, who are the heirs? Okay? So the question is, do you want to live with an open window or a closed window? Some of us, and this is a true story, I was raised Italian Catholic. Anyone else in here? One, two, I love those guys. Three, why is it always the guys? So in upstate New York, and um, my dad was the head usher at the Catholic church there. 
Um, I went to Catholic grade school, didn't get along too well with the parish priest or the nuns. I don't know why. <clears throat> well, any day, anyway, every year, and I think it was December, two boxes would come in the mail, and they were offering boxes for the first Sunday offering and for the second Sunday offering. Every year they would come. This is my memory. My dad would take, and my dad was very orderly and methodical, open the first, take them and put them in a place where every week he'd fill out and put in his offering. The second box, he opened it up and they want a second offering, and he would begin cussing and throw that thing in the garbage. So my dad taught me to cuss at a young age. It's a generational transfer. <laughs> what were they, look, I'm not picking on the Roman church here. Well, Maybe a little. What were they trying to breed in my dad? They just wanted to be takers. They didn't want him to invest in heaven's wealth. No explanation. No casting of vision. They're even telling you how much you should give. And many, many people, maybe some of you in this room, have been badly burned by this kind of attitude where churches are always asking for money. Watermark isn't asking for money. They're asking you to be family. We are a family here. I mean, for months now, I've been serving with this group here in the spring and here. Every time I come in the building, I always get this sense, this is like family. People love one another. They truly have each other's backs. This is fairly rare. And so it speaks of what's in the heart, which takes us to our very last passage here. There was, again, we talked about a crisis in Jerusalem, and Paul was taking up offerings, and he says this to the church at Corinth, which, by the way, was a pretty wealthy church, pretty wealthy church in kind of southern central Greece. He said, if I could find it, Verses, chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, like my dad had to. He was under compulsion with that second offering box. And, of course, you know the means the church used if he didn't give, guilt. Paul is killing that right here. He's treating us like family. He's saying, for God loves a cheerful giver. You want to know why? Because God's the cheerful giver. And he loves when his sons and daughters reflect his DNA to the world around us. He loves that. It makes him joyful. It brings a smile to the Most High God. And then another one of these, open the windows of heaven, stamp on the bucket, pour it into your lap, Verses. Why are they always tied to giving? Isn't that interesting, folks? And God is able to make all grace, how much grace? Abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You know what it's referring to here in the language? All sufficiency, the ultimate contentment in all things. You know what things means? All situations, things. This is not just about money. Relationships. Peace of mind, 
dealing with anxiety and fear, family, foe, work, you name it. Have all sufficiency in all things so that why? You may abound in every good work. Wouldn't it be great if you weren't so bound by, oh, how am I going to pay my bills this week? We'd be free to bless others, right or wrong. There's only one way to get there, folks. You need to open the window. You need to open the window. Now, this is a true story as we draw this to a close. I have a lot of stories about this stuff, but the year was 2009, and now in upstate New York, we get what's called snow. How many of you come from a northern climate? Did they use salt on the roads where you were from? Okay, you know what salt does to metal and cars? It rots it away. Like some cars look like Swiss cheese riding around on wheels. You can always tell who the high school and college kids are. They're driving half a vehicle. (laughs) Well, anyway, we were driving some rusted out vehicles. We didn't really care because we were investing our money in other things. But they ran. One day I got a call from my cousin who owned a car dealership, and he was also in our church. He said, brother, come on out here. I said, why, Joe? He said, somebody bought you a car. Really? Okay, that's pretty nice. Now, I figure it was 09. I figure somebody probably bought me an 01 Toyota Celica. You know, just a little bit of rust, but in good shape. And I get there, and he's got this huge smile, and there's this brand-new Chevy Equinox. It had like eight miles on the thing. And he took me over to it, and I said, yeah, what do you want? He said, this is yours. Somebody bought us a brand-new car. We didn't ask for it. Where did it come from, folks? Well, it came from the giver, yeah. And what did he do? or she do, the person that gave it to us opened the windows of heaven. And I want you to know, we know who did that. God has so blessed that individual, hasn't he? Incredible blessings on this person that we know. It happens all the time. I have so many stories. But the real issue is, do I understand how I'm supposed to be a light in a dark world. It's by living as sons and daughters in a world of takers and keepers and hirelings. And when the blessings of God flow out on your neighbors, maybe on a boss or a co-worker you don't like. I mean, Jesus went on in the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't just say, give mercy and give money. He says, love your neighbors. Everybody loves those people that are nice to them, but do you love somebody that doesn't like you? Somebody that isn't kind to you? And let's all be honest and say, uh, no, I don't want to love that guy. I don't even like praying for corrupt politicians anymore. And I'm really trying to change there. <laughs> because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So do I want heaven's wealth, including his merciful salvation? God's a giver of mercy. He gives mercy to the lost. Right there in Luke 6. We are the dispensers of love and mercy and grace and salvation 
and wealth. And if you're going to say to me, but you don't understand, brother, I'm going to say to you, no, you don't understand. Go back and read these and don't hear it from me. Let the holy scriptures of the Most High God touch you. So, am I going to walk out of here as Abraham or as Lot? We all have a choice. Every one of us. Every week, every week when you hear the word of God preached, one of the reasons it's preached is to convict the soul to become more like Christ. Am I going to be a son and a daughter and start to dispense wealth? Am I going to look for ways, Lord, how do you want me to give? I regularly ask the Lord, who do you want us to invest in? Who are we supposed to give money to? People did that for us. I don't make a salary. We are out here because people, including some incredibly generous people in this church right here, have invested in us. And they give to us monthly so we can pay our bills. And I could buy that 62 Corvette. <laughs> kidding. You need a little humor, man. You guys are really down today. Okay. Are we getting it, folks? Why we're on the earth? It's for others. It's not for us. You get to enjoy stuff you don't even have to ask for. Don't worry about the name it and claim it stuff. God wants you to have the stuff. What, is, what, what good is it in heaven? He wants to invest it on earth. Let's stand. So in a minute, Pastor Bucky already prayed about the offering. We're going to take communion. This is a covenant renewal. If you have given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the tables are open to you. If you haven't, we ask you consider that. But this is the great exchange. Listen to me. Jesus took my sin, my guilt, and the death sentence on me. He took it from me, and he gave me eternal life, and then he adopted me is one of the father's sons or daughters. So I have heaven's wealth. So this is like a double covenant renewal. Here's what I ask you to do. Take a moment, really examine your soul. Lord, if I've been like Lot, forgive me. I don't want to live there anymore. I want to live like a son or a daughter. And yeah, maybe I've got some fears. Maybe I've never lived in a culture of generosity before, but I want to change and you're going to give me the grace to do that. Because it's not about me, it's not about Watermark, but it's about the lost and the broken that truly need you. And go and take of the elements representing that exchange. Thank you, Lord. You've not only given us eternal life, the bread and the wine are evidence, physical evidence of your blood and body. You've given us sonship. And then walk over to the generosity box and practice like Abram practice like Abram. Take a moment, have a seat, do business with God, and then go and take communion. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church.